Morning, church. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. Good to be back uh, with you guys again for this month. Uh, we, we were here a couple times last month. Nancy played and got to hear John preach. Uh, man, awesome preacher. Very, I enjoyed his sermons very, very much so. Uh, so you guys, you guys are blessed uh, to get him in here every so often. Um, uh, if, um, if you have your Bibles, you want to read along with me, uh, you've probably read this scripture probably maybe more than any scripture in the Bible. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. John chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world... That he, beget, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. I'm going to start out this sermon, and I'd be, I'd be willing to bet you've never heard a sermon start like this, all right? Because I, what I'm going to do is, I am going to... Uh, um, do a little catchphrase here, all right? And, and after I've said this, if you know what I've described to you, don't, don't say it out loud, but just raise your hand, okay? All right, here's the catchphrase. You ready? <clears throat> Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Tim, what was it? Big Mac. There you go. That was a Big Mac. All right? Right? Huh? <laughs> you never heard a sermon start out with that, right? 
I, I didn't. I didn't think so. Now the best I could. The best I could find was that little jingle came about back in 1975. That that was when our brains were just inundated with this little catchphrase. It was on TV commercials. It was on the radio. I mean, we just heard it over and over again, and it has it has saturated our minds to the point that here it is. What, 46 years later, and I can say it, and most of you still know exactly what I'm talking about. McDonald's used that slogan to sell Big Macs by the millions, all right? And when they first started selling Big Macs, you know what they cost? Just for your information, 75 cents. Now they're $3.40, okay? All right. Uh, so a slogan... A slogan is a device that's used in advertising in order to sell a product. You get this catchy little tune or this catchy little thought going over and over in people's minds, and before long, you have convinced yourself, you know what? I deserve a break today. So I think I'm just going to get up and get away to McDonald's and have two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And some of you are sitting there right now thinking, you know what, that wouldn't be too bad after the service. <laughs> when he gets done preaching, I just may do that. Have you, have you, have you ever noticed? Have you, I mean, I, let, me, let me give you a little ill. I, I went to, uh, Nancy had some oral surgery done this week, so she hasn't been able to eat a whole lot. Um, so I went to Wendy's one day and got her a Frosty. <clears throat> so I got me uh, a single, all right? And they had a picture of it on the board, and I thought, man, that's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I got that thing home, and I opened it up, and I said, look, it just looks like somebody sat on this thing. I mean, it was mashed flat, and they didn't have on it what I ordered on it. Uh, I, I mean, in the same way with the Big Mac, you go get a Big Mac, you're going to get everything they told you is on there, right? But it's not going to look like you've pictured it uh, in, in your mind. So anyway, companies, companies will come up with these little slogans, these little catchphrases to catch your attention in order to get your business. Now, you might say that the church, that we have our own little catchphrase, our own little slogan, and it goes something like, you must be born again. Now, there's a difference there, there's a difference in our slogan and the slogans that are used in the secular world. Because, and the difference is this. Our slogan means exactly what it says. Amen? You must be born again. Right? We all agree with that. Well, you must be born again. Uh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard of the term of uh, bait and switch. Right? That, that is, a, that is a, a thing that a store will use. They'll advertise an item at a very low price, and then once they get you into the store, they'll tell you how, uh, how poorly that product performs compared to one that's a little more expensive. Let me give you an example. We had made a decision that we were going to get her mother, this has been back several years ago, a VHS player. So that way when the, when the kids and the grandkids and everybody come, uh, they could bring their, their, their tapes and put it in and show her the kids playing basketball, football, whatever activities they're involved in, vacation, whatever. But at her age, she, she needed one that was very simple to operate. Just play, stop, rewind, eject. That, that's all she needed, right? And Circuit City in, in Charleston had one 
This was right before Christmas. Had one on sale. Just exactly what we were looking for. The very thing we were looking for. Had it on sale. So we go into Circuit City, and we're standing there. We look at it, and here comes the salesman, and he starts this bait-and-switch thing on us, uh, and he's trying to get us to buy the more expensive one, and, and he can tell that, that that's not working with us because that's not what she needed. So then he says this. He says, well, you know what? You can buy the cheaper one if you want to, but I would never buy anything like that for my mother. <laughs> well, I turn and look, and she's headed out the door. And you can see the steam coming up from behind her collar. And, and I'm standing there, and, and the salesman looks at me, and I said, I guess we're not buying one today. So I walk out. I walk through the door. She's sitting in the car. She's carrying on a conversation with the dashboard. And I, I open the door, and she says, tell me that I'm buying my mother something cheap. He doesn't know my mother. I know my mother better than she does. He does, and I know exactly what she needs. <laughs> took me a while to calm her down after that. I said all that to say this. The church of Jesus Christ, we don't practice bait and, bait and switch. We don't practice that. You must be born again. That's not something we say in order to get people in, and then we change our mind and tell them something different later. Being born again, church, is much more than a catchphrase. Being born again is much more than a slogan. You see, being born again is it's an event. It's an encounter with God. Being born again is something that you and I have been personally exposed to. It, it, it's a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit that has literally made such a dramatic change in our lives that we truly have been born again. We are not the same person that we used to be. Amen? We're changed. We're different. To be born is to exist as, as a result of your birth. Being born again is a happening in your life that's just as real as the day you were born from your mother's womb. You see, if, if, you, can't, if you can't testify to the fact that there's been a change in your life, then guess what? There hasn't been, right? There, there hasn't been one. Jesus clearly said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that without this born-again experience, no one could enter or no one could be a part of the kingdom of God. Being born again, it's not enough just to be a good moral person. Amen? I have known a lot of people that were just, as, just so good, so moral, so they wouldn't cheat you if their life depended on it. But that's not good enough. Nancy, again, I told you, the other, the, this past week, I think it was on Wednesday, she had some oral surgery done, and she's waiting in the waiting room, and, and, and some young man from Boone County comes in and strikes up a, a conversation with her. Huh? Oh, he's from Logan County. Okay, he was from Logan County. He comes in and he strikes up his conversation with her and he tells her, he says, I'm a church-going person. <laughs> Being religious isn't good enough. Attending church isn't good enough. Taking membership in a church. You can take a mem membership in every Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist church in the state of West Virginia. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. 
Being born again is an experience. It's something that you're aware of that's happened in your life. As the old evangelists used to say that would come to my home church years ago and hold, hold revivals, they would say, you know what? If you haven't been changed, you've been shortchanged, they would say. That's why Jesus was so emphatic here when he's carrying on this conversation with Nicodemus in verse 3. He says, I tell you the truth, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus is trying to say, you know, people don't need to be reformed. People don't need to be improved. Jesus is saying that people need a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. And Jesus, he was just as straightforward and as simple as you, as you could possibly be. I mean, he, he never backs away from that position. You can read the Old Testament from cover to cover, and you're never going to find anywhere where Jesus later on says, well, you know, maybe that was a little bit too strong. Maybe there is another way to get in. He never says that. He never backs away from that position. He told Nicodemus, under no uncertain terms, you must be born again. Back several weeks ago, I was standing back at the door shaking hands with people. They come by, and this was back before Maxine fell and, and broke her leg. <clears throat> and Maxine come by me, and, and she says, that was a great sermon. And you need to keep preaching it until we start doing it, she said. <laughs> well, that reminded me of a story I heard once about this preacher. Uh, it, was his, it was a new church, new congregation, and it was his first Sunday there. And he preached this very text that I'm preaching to you this morning. You must be born again. Well, his second Sunday, he gets up. He preached the very same sermon. And some of the people went to the, to the deacons and the, the elders in the church and said, do you realize he's preached the same sermon two Sundays in a row? And he said, well, it's, he's new. You know, let's give him some time. He's probably nervous. All right, let's give him a little bit of time. Well, the third Sunday, he gets up, preaches the very same sermon again. You must be born in the very same sermon. So some of the leadership of the church go to him and, and he said, uh, you know, do, do you realize that you've preached the very same sermon three Sundays in a row? He said, well, yes, I am aware of that. They said, well, do you mind if we ask you why? He said, sure, because you must be born again, he said. You must be born again. Church, it isn't a slogan. It's not a catchphrase. We must be born again, Jesus said. To Nicodemus, Jesus was, was someone that Nicodemus found maybe intriguing. Maybe it was someone he wanted to be a little more informed about. However, Jesus wasn't about to just sit there and be dissected like some biology class frog. That's why Jesus laid all of his cards out on the table from the very beginning. And he says this, verses 7 through 10. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus says, and you don't understand these things. Nicodemus as a teacher of God's chosen people, should have understood this. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that Jesus referred to Israel's teachers as the blind leading the blind, wasn't it? That's what he calls it. It's a blind leading the blind. Nicodemus, of all people, should have known these things. But he doesn't. Why? 
I mean, could, could it be maybe that, that Nicodemus, maybe he's so impressed with himself because now he's a Pharisee, he, he's a member of the, the Jewish uh, ruling council, uh, and, and maybe, maybe he's become so impressed with himself, now he's a little hypocritical, and he's feeling a little empty on the inside. He's playing the role as a religious leader, but inside there's nothing there. You know what a caricature is, right? A caricature, if you look it up, the definition is a, it's a, a mockery, an, an insincere, silly imitation of something. Nancy and I, when we went on our uh, honeymoon at Myrtle Beach uh, back in 1973, I remember the year, we had, that, we had a caricature drawn of us, and we still have it somewhere at the house. We don't have it on the wall, but we have it. Um, that's kind of what Jesus is calling Nicodemus here. That's kind of what he's calling him. He says, and, and not just him, but all the religious leaders of that day. He's calling them, he called them what? Whitewashed tombs. Did he not? He called them whitewashed tombs. Look good on the outside. You're wearing the robes. You're wearing all the religious garb that you're supposed to wear. But inside, there's nothing there but dead men's bones, he says. They were not really what they appeared to be. Are there still people like that in the church today? Boy, it's sad to say, isn't it? But there are. Always have been. Always have been. Go all the way back into the book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira, all right? Go all the way back to the book of Acts. Always has been. Always will be. And church, you know what? You and I need to remember something. You see, Jesus died on this cross not so we could play church, but so we could be the church. Amen? Boy, it was a weak amen. 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 So we could be the church. You know what? Jesus didn't die on the cross so you and I could walk around with a pious look on our face. Throwing out silly catchphrases and slogans like, you know what, I've been born again. But Jesus died on the cross so people could see a difference in you. So he could see a difference in you. So he could see how much you love him by the way you treat other people and your willingness to serve in his church. You see, Peter words it correctly. Listen to what Peter says. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let me read verses 1, 1 2, and 3 to you. Listen to what he says. Now he's speaking to us, church. Peter's talking to the church. And listen to what he says. Therefore rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies... Crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. God is good. All the time. All the time. Okay, now is that just a, a catchy little phrase we like to say on Sunday morning or do you really believe that with all your heart? That God is good. Listen, he goes on, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you, speaking to us, also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Listen to what he says. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter's reminding us of something here. We are different than the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are different than the world. 
And people, people should be able to pick up on that because we've had this born-again experience, and a born-again experience is more than an expression. It is an experience. It's something that you and I, it, it's, like, it's like being born all over again. It's like we've had a second birth. It's like God's given us a second chance. You know, the person who has been born again doesn't automatically become this super Christian, right? No, it doesn't happen that way. It, 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 it is a, it is a, you enter into a process. You enter into a slow process of spiritual growth. But when you're born again, the slate has been wiped clean. Amen? The slate has been wiped clean. The old mortgage has been paid off. In other words, in, in other words, you don't have to be what you have always been before. Now, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you know what? To a lot of people, that just sounds too good to be true. That just sounds too good. I remember a good friend of mine, they went to uh, Promise Keepers when it was in Cincinnati. It's been years ago. And his father at this time was probably close to 70 years old. He had never been a Christian, ever. And they were standing there, and they were given an altar call. And said, Randy said, Randy told me, he said, there were hundreds of men going down to this, to this platform they had set up to be saved. And said his dad was standing there and said his dad looked over at him, and he said, they make that sound awful easy. And he said, Dad, it is just that easy. It's just that easy. It's so easy that people miss it. It's so easy. People say it, it's too good to be true. It sounds so good to be true, it sounds confusing to them. But listen, listen to what Jesus says to Nicodemus here, verses 14 and 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes upon him should not perish but have eternal life. Remember in the book of Numbers, in chapter 21, this is when the Israelites, they have, they have, they have been uh, um, grumbling and complaining about God, they're grumbling and complaining about Moses, their leader. And what does God do? God sent poisonous, venomous snakes in their midst. And the snakes were biting the Israelites, and they were dying. So the Israelites come to Moses, and they say, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord, and we've spoken against you. Pray that God will take the snakes away. So Moses goes to God in prayer, and he prays. And does he take the snakes away? No, he doesn't. He tells Moses, you, fit, you fashion a, a serpent. And, he made, and Moses did. He made it out of bronze. And he put it on a pole. And he lifted it up. And God said, anytime someone is bit by a snake, all they have to do is look at the bronze serpent and they will not die. Now, no doubt, there were some people there that thought, well, that sounds foolish. That, that, that sounds really, how, how could just looking at a bronze serpent on a pole, how could that keep me from dying? You know what? There are people today with that same thought. There are people today with the same thought of being born again, having a second chance, having the slate wiped clean. That sounds too good to be true. That sounds too easy. But for those of us who have accepted it, we know that it is an offer that's too good to pass up. Amen? It's too good to pass up. To be born again is to have had this been, been personally exposed to Jesus Christ. Personally exposed to God Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus told Nicodemus, verse 6, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, what's he talking about? The Holy Spirit, right? It's a capital S. But the Spirit gives birth to our spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth to our spirit. Men and women can only give birth to human life. But you see, the Holy Spirit can give birth to everlasting life. There's a song that's entitled, and I don't know, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It's, it's an old song. Uh, groups used to come to our church all the time and sing it. It says, somebody touch me. And they would go through every day of the week. It was on a Monday when somebody, and whatever day of the week you were saved, you stand up. Uh, if they go on a Tuesday, you know, it was on a Tuesday. Somebody touch. I never could remember what day it was. I, I, I just couldn't remember what day it was, so I, I just, I, I didn't. Well, I think at the end they got, I don't remember what day it was, but somebody touched me. It's the day I stood up. Couldn't remember what day it was. But you know what? I'm not born again. I can't say that I'm a child of God because I remember the day or the hour that I prayed through. You're not a child of God because you remember on what verse of just as I am you came down the altar and you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You're a child of God because your life has been transformed and you know you're not what you used to be. There was a, uh, there was a, a, a Presbyterian uh, minister, uh, and I read this story. He was, he was teaching a class, uh, a Bible class, and he couldn't remember the exact day that he was saved. He couldn't remember where he was when it happened. He said, but I, you know what? I can't remember a day when Christ just wasn't precious to my life. And, and one of the students had a problem with that because he couldn't remember the day or the hour that he was saved. And he said, well, how do you know you're a Christian? He said, I know I'm a Christian because God lives in my heart. Because God lives in my heart. The evidence of Christ's presence in his life was real. So I need to ask you a question this morning. Have you been born again? Have you really been born again? Well, you know what? I, I was baptized as an infant. I was always active in the youth group. Always went to vacation Bible school. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, have you been born again? Is the presence of Jesus Christ, is it real in your life? Is Christ's presence real in your life? In the book of 2 Kings, now I'm almost done. All right, don't think I'm starting all over again. I'm almost done. In the book of 2 Kings, there's a story probably all of you know, a story about Naaman. Naaman was a, a military commander, very powerful man, had a lot of authority. He was the one that was in control. He told people what to do. He was not used to people telling him what to do, right? He's the commander. But Naaman has a problem. Naaman has leprosy a disease that will eventually take his life. And he knows that. But he's told about a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. And if he would go see Elisha, Elisha could pray over him and he would be healed of this leprosy. So he goes to Israel to meet Elisha. But instead of Elisha coming out and, and praying over him or waving his hands over him, he tells Naaman to do something that to Naaman is difficult to do. He tells Naaman, go dip yourself in the Jordan River, the muddy Jordan River, seven times. And when you come up the seventh time, you'll be made whole. 
this was something hard for Naaman to do. Naaman is a guy who has, who has dignity. Naaman is a man who is proud. Naaman is a commander. Again, he's not used to people telling him what to do. And Naaman came so close to missing out on his miracle, didn't he? Did he not? And some of the men that was with him said, you know, if he'd asked you to do something great or something difficult, you would have done it. All he's asking you to do is just dip in the Jordan River. So he does. He dips himself in the Jordan River and he comes up and it says his skin was as white and as clean and as pure as a baby, a newborn baby. Naaman almost allowed his pride to stand in his way. But he was obedient to the prophet and not only did God heal him, but now he has this personal experience with God. He's an humble man. He's a man capable now of knowing God, the one true living God of the universe. So I ask you again this morning, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Is Christ's presence real in your life this morning? You see, like Naaman, you could leave here this morning the same way you came in. You could. Or if you have never had this born-again experience, you could come in and receive him into your life, and you could leave here a changed person, never to be the same again. And you know what? It's a decision that only you can make. No one else can make that for you. My goodness, I've watched, I've watched, Billy, I've watched countless Billy Graham crusades on, on TV. And people come and just, just, just surrender their life to them. And I remember I was reading something about Billy Graham. I was sharing this with Nancy the other day. He says that, that when he had these crusades and, and all these people came, and once they all settled down, he would have a prayer with them. And then he would leave. He left. Because he never wanted people to think, well, I can get my picture taken with Billy Graham. Or I can get an autograph of Billy Graham. He wanted them to come for one reason, to have a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced it? Is the presence of Christ in your heart just as real? You know what? Frank, there is not a doubt in my mind this morning. There is not a doubt in my mind this morning that I've had a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. I know that if I don't live to see another Sunday that heaven is my home. If you're not convinced of that this morning, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to surrender your life to him because we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And I love this song. And, and they, they asked me, the other, we were here for choir practice or, or band practice the other day, and they said, what song do you want at the end? And I said, I want this one, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Is it your story this morning? Is it your song this morning? Beyond a shadow of doubt, can you say that Jesus is mine and I'm his and he lives in me and I've had this born again experience? that the Spirit of God has changed my spirit. If you can, thank God. Thank God. Amen? If you haven't, I beg you this morning to surrender your life to Him.
A young man that was killed in the mines this past week. No doubt last week at this time he was in church. Had no idea what the week held for him. I didn't really know him, but I knew his father. I, knew, I graduated high school with his father. And my heart breaks for that family. I can't imagine what they're going through this morning. One more thing before I quit. You know what? When, when I was young and I, I was small, my mother, my mother had a hard, fast rule. When I left the house, I had to tell her where I was going, who I was going to be with, and when she expected to see me back home. Well, I didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, I thought I ought to be able to just go where I want, be with who I want, and come back when I want. Until I had a son. Until the shoe was on the other foot. Okay? And it would really make me feel good when my son would say, Dad, Mom, I'm going here, and I'm, I'm going to stay there for this next time. I'll be home in an hour. Always made me feel good. One of these days when I leave this world, you're going to know where I am, and you're going to know who I'm with, and you're going to know when you can expect to see me again in heaven. And that's what this young man who was killed in the mind this week, that's the assurance. That's the blessed assurance he has left his family with, that they will see him again. Wouldn't you want to leave that with your family? Wouldn't you want your family to have that calm, blessed assurance that they know where you are and when they'll see you again? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the spirit of the living God that lives in our heart, that gives us the assurance, the blessed assurance, Lord, that everything is fine between us and you. And Father, I just prayed this morning that if there is one person here in this place and they are not sure if they've had a born-again experience, they're not 100% sure, Father, I pray that you speak to their heart this morning. And I pray that, they, Lord God, they would seriously consider Lord, making a total commitment to you and allow the Spirit of God to come in and dwell in their hearts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.